Genesis 1 and 2 may be two of the most thrilling chapters in all of the Bible. Of course, our familiarity with them and how often they are quoted probably hides that fact just a bit. But seriously, not only are they foundational, they're also absolutely amazing. It's two solid chapters of brand new, wonderful goodness. We are introduced to the creation of the vast universe, to the sun, moon, and stars, to day and night, to water and earth, to plants and animals, and to humans. And the most amazing part is how complex all of these things are in their own right, and yet the Bible tells us that God simply spoke it all into being. The stars twinkle, the heavens are beyond comprehension, planets are still uncharted, there's a beetle that can move 1,141 times its own body weight, and plants can self-pollinate, all because God spoke. And yet, as amazing as each of these things is, there is still one part of creation that outshines the rest. It's not the host of heavenly angelic beings, it's not cherubim or seraphim, and it's certainly not Satan or his demons. It's us, humans, created as man and woman. We are the prized possession of all of God's creation. As we talked about in the last episode, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We have the attributes of reason, will, love, kindness. We can do complex mathematical problems. We can create medicines and vaccinations for previously unknown diseases and viruses. We can build skyscrapers and invent electricity. We can scale mountains, explore the depths of the sea, and even visit the moon. But if I might be so bold, allow me to speak on behalf of all of humanity. In light of all of these marvelous achievements, why then do so many of us feel distant from God? Why do so many of us feel the need to work our way into God's good graces? And why do so many of us vehemently reject that God even exists in the first place? For real, what's going on here? God tells us himself after he created everything that things were good. It's right there in Genesis 2.31. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Well, actually, it wasn't just good. The Bible tells us it was very good. So what in the world happened? Genesis 3 happened. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The heart of the issue here is God's command to eat and enjoy all that the Garden of Eden has to offer, except the fruit of the tree that contains the knowledge of good and evil. There is a clear choice that must be made. Obey God or serve self. At the outset, we know what the serpent wants. He desires disobedience. He's even using his words to sow confusion and animosity within Eve's heart. He's trying to get Eve to believe that God wants to keep them from enjoying his good creation. Essentially, the serpent is saying, yeah, creation is really good, but God wants it all for himself. The problem is that the serpent's line of reasoning strikes a chord in Eve's heart, and she eventually caves to the antagonistic ploys of the serpent. Genesis 3.6 So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. This moment is the greatest lapse of moral choice ever recorded. This one act changed everything forever. 
This is the introduction of sin into the world. Sin, though it's not as easy to define as we might think, it can be understood as a lack of conformity to God's commands or laws that he has given to his people. Genesis 6 is ground zero for what is known as original sin, the condition that you and I and all other human beings suffer from. Because of the moral failure of our first father and mother, we are all now born morally corrupt. If you don't believe me, just go hang out with the average toddler. It won't take too long before you hear the word no, which is a moral expression of disobedience in most cases. But this is who we are. We are born because of what Adam and Eve did with no on our heart. This is, however, what makes the gospel so remarkably astonishing. Even in the face of direct disobedience, God brings Adam and Eve back to himself. He provides the means to satisfy his justice, and he brings them back in, not in exactly the same way as before, but justified nonetheless. For you and me, the reality is the same. Jesus Christ has been offered so that Genesis 3-6 might not be the final word in our lives. Thank you.